friends, welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Schulten Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from handpicked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Live Boldly podcast. Today I have on Jake Porter, we talked trauma brain and how PTSD, trauma and difficult life experiences um, can alter your brain. It is a really fascinating conversation, so grab your journal and your pen, listen up, um, and learn a lot. So I am officially off the trail. This is pre-recorded. However, I did hike the 22 days from Yosemite National Park to the summit of Mount Whitney. If you don't follow me on social media, go in and do so because I'm going to be sharing a lot of what I learned um, in my Instagram and Facebook page. Instagram is at Sarah Shelton Kranz. Facebook is Sarah Shelton Kranz and Live Boldly, which by the way, if you go in and um, subscribe to or follow me along in my Live Boldly Facebook page, I am doing monthly workshops, which have been super powerful, tons of fun, all about finding your happy, learning about trauma, growth, um, transformation, deep healing. So go on in and uh, make sure that you follow along. With that, we also do have three Grand Canyon retreats coming up. We have a five-night stay um, over the holidays, over Christmas in uh, this year. We also have a five-night stay um, in January. Both are co-ed, and we have an all-women's retreat in July of 2021. That is a four-night stay um, all at the Grand Canyon. We will be doing some serious, oh gosh, so, so powerful transformation, healing, growth, um, learning more deeply about yourself, uncovering who we are, letting go of the things that no longer serve us. These are really, really fun as well, by the way. So if you are interested, please go in and schedule um, a call with me and let's see if it's the right fit for you. You can do that by DMing me and or reaching out. Uh, my email is sarah at sarahsheltoncranz.com. So let's talk about Jake. Jake it has worked in the fields of recovery for a decade, leading groups, seeing individuals and couples, and training clinicians, coaches, and clergy. After 13 years of pastoral leadership, he moved into full-time counseling at his practice, Daring Ventures Counseling, Coaching, and Consultation. He has studied the intersection of spiritual formation and effective um, social neurobiology. He has extensive training cycle psychobiological and attachment-based models of therapy. Jake also holds the position of assistant professor of counseling and director of doctoral counseling programs at Houston Graduate School of Theology. He is the creator of the couple-centered recovery model and is visited by clients from across the country and around the world. So Jake is a really amazing human being and I, I love having deep conversations with people who simply get it. And he is one who just gets it. Um, I really encourage you to, like I said, grab your journal, grab a pen, just really listen to what he has to, to say. And um, I am also going to be having him on when I'm doing my monthly memberships starting in December of this year. 
So if you, like I've said before as well, if you um, do not follow me or subscribe to my newsletter, please do so. All of that information will be coming out to you shortly. Um, to do that, just go into my website, sarahsholtoncrans.com, because it is people, it's people like Jake that really deepen our understanding of why we are where we're at, um, how we are where we're at, and to also be able to, um, to really embrace who we are because we further understand why things are working the way that they are within us, including our mind. So I really, um, I'm really grateful to bring him to you and I'm grateful that you're here to listen and learn. Enjoy this podcast episode. Jake, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. Um, Thank you. You I'm and I go here. Yeah, we go. We go a little bit back, like colleagues yes. and all the things we were. Yes, Appsats yeah. together. So Appsats training together here in Houston. Yeah. When was that? Like four years ago? It was a while ago. Five years ago? I don't mm. know. Like 2020 is kind of a blip, and that's I, true. I, nothing. Nothing. It's like time. Time warped right now for me. Absolutely. Right. So (laughs) I wanted to have you on because, um, a lot of my clients obviously are people and you know, my specialty, your specialty, we talk a lot about trauma. Um, I've lived through it. We've all experienced it in some way, shape or form. And, um, yours, well, you got a lot of specialties, by the way, and soon to be father specialty. It was exciting. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, you know, you have a really um, amazing way of dialing down on the brain and trauma brain. Yeah. And how, um, what trauma brain is and, uh, and like how it actually, the trauma affects the brain. I want you first just to tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, and also then we're going to like, this conversation is going to go deep into that and okay. we're going to have fun with it along the way. Cause as you know, I do like to have yes. fun along the way too. So Absolutely. are you ready? I'm ready. Awesome. I'm ready. So tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Sure. So yeah, Jake Porter, I was born, uh, April the 19th, mm-hmm. 1982, uh, just about 35 miles East of where I'm sitting right now. I'm in Houston, Texas. Uh, I was born outside uh, of, of Texas in Baytown, and so grew up around here. And um, uh, you know, just a plain old childhood filled with, you know, the same sort of relational incidents that happen that later you look back and pay people money to talk about, right? <laughs> and um, so, uh, part of my own story is that I am in recovery myself. And, uh, I have been on the other side of, of this office, so to speak. I've been the, in the client seat for a long time and did that, um, for a long time before starting to do this work. I was a pastor for 13 years. Um, so that's a big part of, of my story and who I am, but it was about three years ago, actually three years ago this month that I left the pastorate and began doing this work full time and uh, started Daring Ventures, counseling, coaching, and consultation. And we do specialize in working with individuals and couples, um, trying to pick up the pieces from addiction and trauma. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I primarily work with the couples. I do have some individual clients, but most probably over 90% of the work I do now is with couples where there has been some form of betrayal, 
whether that's just because of not just as in minimizing, but infidelity or right. full-blown sex addiction or whatever, some form of betrayal. And so that's kind of professionally and a little bit of personal thrown in there. Uh, I do love to study the brain. Uh, a big part of my doctoral research looked at affective social neurobiology. So in other words, how do our relationships affect brain structure, brain functioning, brain formation. And um, yeah, how's that for an intro? I love it. And you know, it's okay. interesting is that um, I talk a lot with people about, like I'm a heart-centered person. People that know me, like I'm all mm-hmm. love. Like, I'm just like, you yes. know, and I, and I, when I take people into the canyon and when, when I guide my clients and um, when we uh, do the work, I think in society, we are such a brain, you know, a brain. Yes. Um, society. Like everything is about the thought. Everything is about the mind and mindset quote unquote is a huge mm-hmm. thing. The coaching industry. As we all know, mm-hmm. get your mindset right. And you can do anything. And I uh, coach my clients into dropping into the heart. And so, um, understanding what happens with the brain at the same time though, is so fascinating to me because I believe fully in like alignment of mind, um, mind, heart, listening to your intuition, your spirit. Um, but I love having you on because I love this conversation about the brain. Well, and uh, to, to build on that, Sarah, your brain is not fully online if it's not in connection with your body. Right. If, so, so a lot of times, um, well, I heard the phrase once that uh, today our, our culture forms us to be or think we ought to be brains on a stick. Like the body is just sort of the the package carrying around the brain. But that is not a brain fully alive. The brain fully alive and fully functioning is integrated in with the body. So I love what you're saying. And, and, and I know we'll get into this la- later about what actually happens when you take clients down in that canyon. Yeah. Um, and they get to actually come out of sort of a dissociated brain experience and have a, a whole person experience. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and start diving in. Tell us about, okay. cause I know my, my listeners and I did one um, newsletter and I put in your YouTube video about the brain oh, and yeah. what happens. And I had so many people messaging me going, Whoa, had no idea that the brain was that deeply affected by trauma. So oh, yeah. I am giving the platform to you. Give us your brain. <laughs> Tell us it all. Give sure. it to us. Give it to us, sure. man. Give us to you, yeah. my friend. I get to uh, I get to go into full blown full blown college professor <laughs> college professor mode. I'm also a professor at Houston Graduate School of Theology, so I like to teach. So um, so I like to start out by looking at what we might call optimal functioning. So how's it supposed to work, right? In an ideal world, if there were no brokenness and we were all perfectly relational with each other, how would it work? Well, the way it would work is that your brain would function in an integrated and regulated state. So Mm -hmm. those two words are really important. Uh, I'll start with the second one. Regulated, meaning not out of control, not in fight or flight. You know, I'm not going into either hyper or hypo arousal. So I'm not, not 
and I know the listeners can't see me right now, but I'm shaking my hands up near my head in that kind of hypervigilant on alert, you know, um, up there in intensity kind of place that, that would be hyper arousal, uh, hyper aroused dysregulation, but also not in hypo aroused dysregulation, stuck off, numbed out, shut down, collapsing. So in other words, my brain is able to keep my body in a state of regulation. So I'm in control. I'm grounded. I'm in reality. That's one. Number two is integrated, meaning all the different parts, all the systems of the brain, because the brain isn't this monolithic, you know, chunk. It's actually a, a, a system of systems. And so optimal functioning, all the systems are working together in an integrated state in a way that all the parts of me are aligned. There's enough unification so that I don't all of a sudden act not myself. Okay. So that would be disintegrated or disassociated. Okay. So that's, that's optimal functioning. Well, when trauma happens, essentially what happens is that either the brain experiences way too much, way too fast yeah, or way too little for way too long. Yeah. And, and, and understanding both of those dynamics is important. So way too much, way too fast means that, for example, let's say um, a car accident, the sudden death of a loved one, the sudden discovery of my partner's infidelity way too much, way too fast. It's overwhelming. And so because of that, I get dysregulated. My, I get disintegrated. And if, if there's not a quick repair there, a quick regulation to where I can kind of metabolize that experience into the whole of, of my understanding of who I am and what this world is, then it kind of gets stuck. My brain gets stuck there in that place. The same thing can happen though, if I experience too little for too long. Yeah. So this would be like neglect. So I'm hungry, I'm longing. And the longer I go without what I, what I really need, it actually eventually will end up um, dumping the same chemicals of cortisol and adrenaline and all of that, the longer I go without what I need and can cause the same effects of trauma. Okay. I've talked a whole lot. Anything? No. So I'm, I'm, um, I, (laughs) it's so interesting because I remember the discovery of my husband and it was like, I, I said, I said it was like an earthquake, right? Like you just, everything just, your brain just exploded and trying to make sense of what was happening in the moment, but also then making sense of my past and making sense of can I keep my kids safe? Am I safe? Uh, there was just so much within that one moment. And so I um, hear you a thousand percent mm-hmm. and have felt that and experienced that. And then also the neglect along the way, a little bit along the way was my marriage where right. it was like, you know, then it's also that piece of, oh, it makes sense why I felt neglected for those, yes. in my case, the 14 years when it started happening. Yes. And so I, I just find this so fascinating because I do a lot of work, like self-compassion work on my brain because mm. I'm forgetful 
And um, it's very common and normal for people that have been through betrayal, relational yeah. betrayal, any, any type of trauma. And so I have to remind myself, it's okay. It's okay because your brain's been through so much. Not only my heart, but my brain. And so we always think about like our heartbreak and our heart hurts, but what about what happened to our brain during that time? You know, and I had experienced other trauma prior to that too, which when I was 17, which my, the way that now doing the research in my book, the way that my thoughts and my ideas and everything had processed during that, um, during that time in my life process very differently than they did during the the discovery of my husband and the recovery of that. So it's really fascinating. It is. It it, it is. And and you bring up a good point that it's not, you know, it's not like we can nice and neat and cleanly put people into either, oh, it was the too much too fast or, oh, it was the too little for too long type of trauma. Uh, Particularly when there's been betrayal, it is both. Mm-hmm. which makes it what we would refer to as complex trauma, right? right? It's multi-layered. It's, it's not, here's a big word that people can use at the water cooler if they ever get to go back to the office to go with the water cooler, but punctiliar, right? So if something is punctiliar, it happened at one point in time. I can put my finger on it. Oh, that was it. That was the trauma. And, and not to minimize the effect of, of those, those sorts of traumas, but, but they are easier to treat. I, I can tell you that as a clinician, if someone walks in and, and they've got this one trauma and it happened on this day or during this year, even it's, it's easier to treat because it's contained. Right. But betrayal is a combination of both the discovery itself as a big T trauma. And then the awareness looking back now of, of the betrayal all along the way, and I'll, I can speak more to how that specifically affects the brain, is, is a whole series of little t traumas that have been spread out over the course of time. And it makes for a really difficult dynamic. And, you know, I just want to pop in really quick, and then I want you to keep going because this is such a good conversation. I just want people to understand that be good to you during this time mm-hmm. because we all, we seem to forget, like it, it hurts my heart just thinking about what my poor brain has been through. I can mm-hmm. honestly say that. And I, I, when I'm on a trail and when I'm doing my own continual nature therapy on my own self, um, I do a lot of imagining of just like me hugging my brain and saying, mm-hmm. it's okay. Like mm-hmm. I, and because, you know, it's, it's devastating to think what our, our mind has been through. Right. So be good to you, all of you listeners, and yeah. I want you to keep going. Yeah, I, I'll just I'll just say that 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 element of self compassion is so critical that you mentioned. And what I've noticed is that when I work with clients, I do a lot of education. I share with them a lot of what I'm sharing uh, with you now, and it is so shame reducing. Yeah. You know, you're not having these symptoms because you're weak. It's not a moral failing. Um, this isn't some some character defect in you that you can't get over it or you can't buck up or whatever. There is literally, physically, at the level of the neural structure of your brain and the way it is connected to your body, there's something real happening. Yeah. And um, so, yes, 
please <laughs> have have compassion on yourself. It's not all in your head. I did some air quotes there for you who are listening. Well, and you know, I've even I'm to 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 also mention this. I've even had to have these conversations with my kids because mm. and tell them, look, you guys, it's not that I forgot to pick you up. It's not that I intentionally forgot to pick you up. It's that remember my brain's been through a lot and I've actually told them, I've actually had these conversations with them and explained what trauma brain is and why, like, could you please also give me a little bit of compassion and understanding? This is what I need from you as your mom, because I'm doing the best that I can in this moment. And it's not that I ever would intentionally forget to pick you up or to do something for you or to throw your clothes in the dryer. It's literally that my brain is working differently than what it used to. Yes. And so they get it. They were like, wow, mom, thanks for telling us what's happening because now, yeah, we can give you a little bit more compassion and understanding. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Um, that's good. So the, let's see, there's like eight directions I could go right now. I'll say that let's, let's start with what's universal to trauma, pretty much universal. Okay. And then we'll hone in on what's unique to betrayal trauma. So um, universally, some of, some of the things that happen by and large with trauma are that number one, and, and I'll, I'll sound real wonky and then I'll explain it, our windows of tolerance get narrowed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so in other words, uh, we all have a window of tolerance and that what that refers to is sort of a, sort of a set range of arousal. And I don't mean sexual arousal. I'm talking about like in my body, how much intensity or lack of intensity can I feel and remain regulated, you know, Mm -hmm. grounded in reality, in control. So we all have different, you know, ranges of how much intensity or lack of intensity we can handle while staying regulated and integrated. What trauma can do if we stay in a state of trauma and, and that is what's happening for someone who's been betrayed and they remain in a relationship with their partner and maybe he or she will get into recovery and maybe he or she won't and do I know everything and will there be more coming out and all of those things. I'm, I'm staying outside my window of tolerance in hyper arousal and as I do that, that actually has a wear and tear effect on my nervous system such that 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 range, that window of tolerance gets narrowed. And what that means is that something that used to be inside the window is now outside the window. So let's say if you can imagine like a, like a, like a graph and it going up and down the middle point zero and it goes to say plus 10 and minus 10. Mm-hmm. And maybe before the trauma, I could handle anything between plus five and negative five. But after living in hypervigilance, the wear and tear that that has on my nervous system, it might get narrowed to, say, three to negative three. Right. So that, that thing that's at about a four that I used to be able to take, I can't take it anymore, which is why partners have the experience of getting worse, having more fear four weeks in, six weeks in, 12 yeah. weeks in right? Things that at first they weren't worried about, now they're concerned about it. Yeah. It's because there's literally a wear and tear happening at the, in their nervous system and they can't tolerate what they used to. 
So that's, that's one effect. Another effect is uh, when we act not ourselves. So let's say a partner who's, who does not have a history of violence suddenly one evening is throwing dishes, <laughs> right? I may or may not have done some of this. <laughs> <laughs> right? Or uh, maybe I cuss, but I don't cuss people. Yep. And then all of a sudden I'm calling you every name in the book and it's not me. Yeah. So there is a disintegration of myself, a disassociation of this part of me from the rest of me, right? I'm acting out of character. That is an effect of trauma. Yeah. Right. That can happen with virtually any, any type of trauma. Another, another symptom that is usually associated with trauma, though, is avoiding reminders of the trauma. But here's where betrayal trauma is different. Because with betrayal trauma, and, and your listeners out there, if they've been betrayed partners or they're partnered with betrayed partners, they will know about this experience. It's this rumination, right? Oh. Circling. Wait, but what? Wait, you? How many times? Wait, you were where? Wait, tell me that again. You know, uh, it's going back. Devastating. Yeah, it's it's just devastating. It's it's this hovering, circling, unceasing. It's like the image that I get in my head is it's like water going down the drain, but it just never, never flushes nope. completely. It never, <laughs> never <finishes>. goes. <laughs> yeah, it's just circling, circling. Yeah. Well, that is something really, really specific. And this is the video you're referring to. Um, Everybody needs to listen to this. Here's why, to what you're going to say. And I'm butting in on this one. Because even if they have not experienced it themselves, I guarantee that they know other people who have. Oh, yeah. And it is so important to understand what happens to our memory and to our experiences within our brain when people have gone through something like this. Yes. So go ahead and continue. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's, you're exactly right. What, what I'm about to explain helps, helps us understand that, that the folks who are stuck in this circling, this rumination, they're not choosing to do that. It's not a choice. It's not, they just can't let it go. They won't move on. They won't move into the future. It's not that. There's something much more critical going on. Yeah. And, and that's this. So in our brains, we, you know, all these different parts, like I said earlier, the brain is really a system of systems and it should be working in an integrated fashion. Well, as in any system, if one part of the system, um, stops functioning as it should, it's going to have a ripple effect through the whole system. So with betrayal trauma, one dynamic there is that all of a sudden, the storyline of my life, okay, is changed. It is not what I thought it was. So um, let's say I'm with someone for 10 or 20 or 30. I've worked with people who've been married 40 plus, 50 plus years. And then all of a sudden they receive information that their entire history with this person who is their most important person is not what they thought it was. Okay. That specifically affects 
the left hippocampus in your brain. So the hippocampus is this odd little kind of looks like a short gummy worm. Maybe I don't know. I've never, that's, (laughs) I just made that up. Uh, but, but it's over there. It's down in the limbic system. So it's in the deeper part of the brain and the left hippocampus, um, is, is part of where we file away our memories. And so if you can imagine all of your experiences in life being like files, okay, the left hippocampus takes all of these files and puts them in an order. And then that order gives the files, the individual files, meaning, okay? So, um, so uh, to switch analogies real quick, anyone who's old enough to remember film strips, we don't have those anymore in the digital age, but in the old school days, a film strip where, you know, they play really fast and it's a movie, but it's really a series of individual pictures, right? So, so your left hippocampus kind of strings the individual pictures together so that they become a movie. So it's the story of my life. It's, it's in this file cabinet. And it's really important to have those files in order for a lot of reasons, but the, the chief reason is this. The greatest predictor of what's going to happen is what already has happened. Yes. And so if I know and I understand what has happened, I am better set up to predict what is, is coming. Right? So when I suddenly learn that my whole storyline is not as I thought, it's as if someone opens up that file cabinet, dumps all of those files onto the floor, mixes them all up, and then takes all of these other files of really painful information and just throws them in the mix. And I'm left now without a story. Yeah. That makes sense without a coherent narrative. And, and that, that narrative is my identity. It tells me who I am and it tells me who you are and it tells me what this world is that I live in. But if I don't know the answers to those questions, who I am, who you are, and what is this world, I am not going to feel safe. Yeah. And so betrayal trauma triggers, here's another big water cooler phrase for you, a hippocampal review. That, that left hippocampus is just circling, trying to get the files in order and make sense of it, right? Mm-hmm. So that I can understand what is this world and who are you and who am I and how can I stay safe? Gosh, how I remember that moment. <laughs> <laughs> and I can now sit here and- We're like, laughing, but it's excruciating. It's excruciating. And I'm, I, the reason I'm smiling right now is even, even talking about it is because there's hope for anybody that Absolutely. has been there. And I look back and I just remember that moment like it was yesterday. And I tell my mom over and over and over again, we've talked about this. I said, and I'm so blessed that, and, and grateful that I'm here today because I know how excruciating that moment is. You literally, it's like, it's like everybody, it's like you, you just take everything and you're just, okay, so make sense of this. How do right. I, and then your brain for me and my experience started to go back into my past, into my memories of, is this true? Was this true? Oh, that, right. one. I remember that. 
oh my gosh, my intuition was spot on and you lied to me on top of it, which further deepened the betrayal. Right. And this person then was involved and this person and my friends and my family, it just like so much of it. It just, it's that Rolodex of, of everything. Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. It, it, it becomes all consuming. It, it really does. And, and so, you know, me, as I'm working with couples, let's say I have a husband who's, who's cheated serially and the wife has now learned about that. And he's going, I don't want to tell her. Why should I have to tell her all of that? Why it's in the past. I'm not going to do it anymore. I, you know, I don't want to lose her all of this. And, and here, here's the problem. (laughs) She's going to make sense of it one way or another. Oh, she is. (laughs) Right. And if you don't cooperate in that process, if you don't (laughs) partner with her, in this meaning making process, most likely, I mean, anything can happen, but most likely the meaning she's going to make is he's a lying, cheating, dirty, no good asshole. Yeah. Fraud. <laughs> right. That's, and, and, and here's what's sad. I know these guys, I work with these guys. I'm in recovery myself. Often that's not it. <laughs> I know. I know. Right? I know. Often there's, there, there is so much more going on. There is a, an internal conflict and shame and early trauma and all of these other things that are part of that story. But if he doesn't do the hard and brave work of disclosure to her and helping her make sense of the story, she will make sense of it without all that data. And he will probably not come out looking all that great in her restructuring of reality. Yeah. So when, and so those of you who um, don't know this disclosure is when you find everything out and, or sorry, discovery is when you find everything out. And the disclosure is when the partner will tell you everything that really was happening throughout that time um, when they were together. And I had all of that over five days without wow. a professional. Did you know that? Ooh, <laughs> I didn't I did even it. know that's what I was doing. Jake, like this is literally, this is the story of my life. Didn't even know that that's what I was doing. It was when I had, when I had discovery, I was, I just put him up, literally put him up, no lie, put him up against a wall physically and said, you will give me everything. And not all partners want it right away. Some need to, to, to have it at different stages. Me, I was like, bring it. Um, but that's how I operate. And I had it over, I had it over the course of five days where I was just, wow. you know, I know. So it was very, um, when I tell my professional friends, my professional, my colleagues, different people that no, no, we, I did that on my own and didn't even know. I didn't even know what those terms were until like nine months later when somebody told me and I said, really, is that what that is? I didn't, I didn't even know what that was, but, um, it's very fascinating. Yeah the brain is just, um, and how it works and operates through all of this. Oh my gosh. So keep going from there. So you, then you, you've got the recovery, you've got the, you've got people that are starting to go into that. And let me be very clear on this too, because the clients that I work with, they want to quote unquote, fix the situation, fix the problem. They want to sometimes do the work for the partner right? Mm. And we all know you can't do the work for the person that needs to do their own work. It doesn't work that way. It just won't right. ever happen. You need, they have to go into their own recovery process and you also have to go into yours. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I talk with, with the couples I work with about, I can be a healing presence. Mm-hmm. I can help cultivate a healing environment. I can open up space yeah. for healing, but I myself cannot do the healing. Right. <laughs> like I, I, I can be a big part of it. I can join you, but I cannot do that work for you. And I would say that to, to both parties, the betrayed yeah. and betrayer, both. thousand percent. Both ways. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, once, once that timeline begins to be reconstructed, it starts with the data. So just like treatment wise, this is how we usually help folks. So first we're going to try to get them to that disclosure point that you were talking about. So discovery, they found something out. Disclosure now, we have worked with them individually. We've prepared them to get the facts, get the data. You know, let's get the raw data. After that begins the meaning-making process, which is really grief work, mm-hmm. right? Grief work is about making new meaning and, and, and uh, figuring out what is life going to be in light of this loss that's yeah. there. And so, and so then we begin grief work. Hopefully, they, that's something they can partner over together. But what that begins to do is that begins to heal the brain. Um, and bring it back to a place where it can be integrated and regulated. Um, and, and they're going to come out new, right? right? Anytime there's a death, what, what grief does is it brings a rebirth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so they're going to come out new, a new sense of who they are, a new sense of their partner, a new sense of this world. What we hope, if, if they're wanting to stay together, we hope that they will do that work together so that that's the case. Or sometimes people don't stay together and, and they go and they do that, that grief work, you know, on, on their own. It's not like one's better than the other. It can happen either way. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, in order to stay together, you also need two people that want to oh, yeah. in the situation. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, I talk to my own clients about that a lot. I'm like, you cannot force the other person to go take care of what they need to. It does not work that way. Um, And, and that's hard. It's hard because then you sometimes have further loss because you want them to get better and they make the choice to not. And so, you know, then as a partner, you're sitting there going, gosh, okay, I I only want what's best for you, but everybody's on their own journey. Everybody's on their own journey. And it's, it can be difficult to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes another thing to grieve another uh, one more loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Along mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So I want to bring in um, also when people ask me about my own healing journey and what happened, um, you know, for me, I went into nature a lot. I was like, I just needed to, and it wasn't an escape quote unquote. It's more so where I found myself. Mm-hmm. Which is very, which is very interesting. Like um, people will say, if you're running, what are you running from? Well, I don't look at it that way. For me, it was I was running to, to you know, to further deepen my um, understanding right. of self, to overcome. And nature therapy in the brain is very fascinating. Yes, it's very, very fascinating because 
I know, and you know this from Bessel van der Kolk's work that um, he talks about the place, what we need to do is to also find more, um, the place where we feel more alive. Where do we feel alive in the moment? And in nature, um, there's been so much research about where we actually feel most alive is in nature. So now you take that two together and that makes sense why when I was in the wild, I actually found myself. That's where I found most alive, where I felt most alive and where I still feel most alive. That's why I'm still going on the trail today um, because it's, that's where the healing happens for me and where I watch and witness it happen for a lot of clients because in, when you are in nature therapy, um, the frontal lobe of the brain actually starts to, to take a rest. And that's where we all know, like right now, as we're on this computer screen together, we're thinking, we're doing all the frontal sure. action. And the back part of our brain is what actually, where we have clarity, that's what actually begins to rise. And we're allowed to, um, to have these moments of aha and awe and wonder. And yes. it's really fascinating. Yeah, it, it is. It actually, yeah, it does all of that in that it's that sense of awe and wonder, I think, that are particularly healing. And, yeah. And really, really important. So we know that there's a process that happens biophysiologically called methylation. Okay, right? So um, methyl, when I methylate, well, I guess I need to start before that. When we go through negative experiences, it can actually turn off and turn on little switches in our genes at the level of the DNA. This is called epigenetics. And so little the trauma begins to flip these switches off and on at the level of our genes and it affects it's our body it affects our bodies. I think this is why trauma and autoimmune disorders, you know, there's a connection oh. there, right? Yeah. Well, methylation reverses those effects it begins to turn off the switches that the trauma turned on. And what, what are we doing when we, uh, what are the kind of behaviors and activities that lead to methylation? Physical exercise, mm-hmm. feeling gratitude. Oh yeah. Hello. Awe, wonder, serving others. Yep being in connection with other people and and the list goes on and on but so much what you do when you take these these clients out into the canyon there is such a it's like a what intersection of so many opportunities for methylation so many (laughs) yeah incredibly healing yeah it is it is yeah Go ahead. Keep going. Well, yeah. well the the other piece of that, one more thing about the the awe and wonder, is uh, you know that's that's really the definition of spirituality. I mean, you can get into mm-hmm. certain religious expressions of spirituality, but if you look at it kind of from the the general academic, I have a, one of my master's degrees is in the academic study of spirituality. It means to be connected to something larger than yourself, right? Yes. Well, hello, Grand Canyon. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Right? Hello. I know. Well, and it's interesting because I've had all of my aha moments. I mean, I, when on my Facebook page, there's this picture of me standing on a cliff looking out into this valley below. And I talk about it in my Ted talk. That was actually my aha moment. That's why I don't take that picture down. 
um, a friend of mine took that picture. He was with us on this. Uh, he, we were hiking this trail together and then he gave it to me. Um, his wife gave it to me and I was like, whoa, that's wild. They didn't even know that oh, when wow. I was standing on that rock that I was having my moment of awe, wonder and clarity that I'm going to get divorced. And I need to, and, and it was this moment of, I know that I'm going to be fine. This world is so much larger than yes. my pain. This yes. happiness and this awe and this wonder and this gratitude and this living is so much bigger. Living for myself and for my children is so much bigger than this pain that I have felt. And yeah, so that was beautiful. a choice in that moment to actually step into my recovery full on mm. and go home and have the difficult conversations with my husband that we need to truly separate. And I want you to go live your life and to do what you need to do because I can then also step in and do the same for me. Yeah. And so it was this, this moment of like, wow, like life is so beautiful because I'm standing here looking over it and I'm choosing to live mm. over anything. Yeah. I never would be in this place today had I not made that choice to go into onto the trail and into the mountains or onto the water and realize that this connection in this world above and beyond is so much bigger spiritually, emotionally, like everything is so much bigger than that experience that I had had with my husband. And, and I look at it like there was so, I have so much gratitude for my marriage. I can then sit here and say, I have so much gratitude for what we did have for those moments that we did have for our kids, for the good things that came out of it. And the pain and the suffering was really a portion of it, but it wasn't all of it. Right. Now, when you talk about my brain and the ruminating, look, there were days <laughs> where I sat there and I was like, my entire marriage sucked, right? Right. But right. in reality, that's not the case. But right. those moments, those memories made it feel like my entire marriage sucked. Absolutely. But I know pulling myself out of it now today, that's not the case. I can have so much gratitude for what I went through. I can have so much gratitude for my marriage and for him, right? Like ultimately for right. him as a human being. So yeah. it's a real fascinating thing when you can also then have this, this your own discovery of self coming mm -hmm. out of these, these, these really deep betrayals or these really deep traumas that you've experienced. Yeah, the, the brain, the human brain is not designed to develop and grow and transform in isolation. Huh. It, it, Could you say that one more time, please? Could you yeah. say that just one more time, please? I hope so. <laughs> the human <laughs> brain is not designed to develop and grow and transform in isolation. Okay. It will not happen. Thank you. Thank you. Because this is why this is so important. Because so many people go into a state of isolation. They cannot, they, it, even getting out of bed can be very, very difficult, right? But in my work and how, how I operate, it's all in community. We have to understand, I felt like I was on a freaking island. Nobody understood. Nobody knew what I was going through. I mean, I made calls to different people and we're told, we can't help you. I was told over and over again, we can't help you. I don't even like I don't even know what how we're to start with you. In fact, I was told by someone in our I will I will I will share this um, that I was pretty much a cuckoo bird. 
and wow. that um, that there like I was I was the person that was the the quote unquote issue here me right and I'm like wow that's so fascinating that I was I was looked at like like she's just going off the deep end when in reality I was in so much trauma and I was so deep into just like the hurt and the pain right which further made me feel ashamed mm-hmm. alone. Right. Lost on an island. And in reality, none of us are. We all have somebody that has been through something like us or are going, they're going through something, they're in it right now, or mm-hmm. they will be. That's so right. that's why community is so important. It's so important. It, it is. It, and it, I mean, it starts in infancy when we're we're babies little babies with nervous systems completely incapable of regulating ourselves yeah. you know we have to have that external nervous system to regulate us and then and then we grow up and we gain some ability for self regulation but we still need other people we we have to get outside of ourselves we don't you know even a seed okay a seed has to draw nutrients from the dirt and energy from the sun and all of this in order to blossom and grow. You just take that seed and, you know, stick it in a box and nothing's going to happen. Right. But, but you take up any one of us and you plant us in a community and you put us in nature that gets us outside of ourselves or a spiritual practice that pulls us outside of ourselves and we draw from these sources outside of ourselves. And then internally, we begin to grow and flourish. Yeah. Um, that's just how it works. That's the design. Yeah. That's yeah. the design. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to then go into with the brain? Because we, so we have so many directions that we could go. You know that. Like we could. Yeah. Do a workshop on this, by the way. <laughs> like, seriously, yeah. can we? When my book comes out, can we do like a workshop on this? Sure. I'm, have, I'm starting a monthly membership. Actually, I don't know if you know this. Um, in January, and one of the months that we're going to talk about is simply on the brain because it's really wow. important. And so, I will definitely have you in for when my monthly Would membership love to. starts, and we will do some serious deep diving in this, and then people can also ask you the questions, like, well, sure. what about this? So that would yeah. be really, really cool. Would you do yeah, that? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave with one, one more thing about the brain. This is what I'll, I'll leave, leave your folks with. Your brain is a part of your body. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's part of your body. And think about your body and how your body is designed, you know, whether you want to credit God or nature or whatever. And I, th- I, I believe God made my body to heal. Not perfectly, not, you know, I'm not going to be like, like I was at 23 for all of my life. That's not what I'm saying. But generally speaking, I cut my thumb, I, I wrap it up, I clean it out, I wrap it up, it heals. You break a bone, you set it, you quit re-injuring it, it heals. The body is wired for healing. If we stop re-injuring it and create a space for healing, maybe it needs a little help from the outside, a little ointment, a little setting, but it heals. Yeah. Your brain is just a part of the body. Yeah. So if you're, whether you're the guy with or, or woman with the addiction or you're the partner who's experienced the trauma, the, those trauma triggers or, or that acting out behavior, you, that's a re-injuring of your brain over and over and over. 
create space for healing, to stop re-injuring, do the, do the grounding work of healing necessary, open up a space and your brain will heal. Yes. There is hope. It's yeah. part of your body and that's just how yeah. we're made. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, and it's important too, because through that healing is where we also find rediscovery of self Yes, and where we find our own, um, what's possible. And meaning, you know? purpose, meaning, calling. Purpose, the, whole, the clarity, yeah. the whole nine yards. Yes. And that's where we can actually make resonant, very, um, very uh, um, life-shifting choices and decisions in our life. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. I love you. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. We will continue this conversation. You know that. And thank you for, most importantly, thank you for the work that you do. Oh, thank Thank you you. so much, Sarah. So it's so important for people. Well, I feel the same way. I've I've been watching, you know, well, since we met at the APSATS training all those years ago, watching your professional growth and journey. And it's so exciting what you're doing. You. I'm just thrilled that there are people like you out there. Well, me too. It gives hope. It, it, there's so much hope in this world. And I think that yeah. that is actually what we can end this on is there is so much. Do you know that there are three words that I used in my recovery? One, did you know this? No. No. Okay. So I write a little bit about it in my book too. Truth, always okay. lead a truth um, fills yes. life. Speak your truth. Inspiration, lead an inspiring mm. life every day. And hope have hope for yourself and hope for your future. Those are my three words that I took on in my recovery right away, right Mm. away. Like I need, I need something to like my mantra. I need something with that. And it's been my mantra. It's been my, they've been my words all the time. Truth and hope, man. Yep. So thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. (laughs) And we will definitely be in touch. Great. Where can people find you, by the way? Can you just drop that in? Sure, sure. Um, daringventures.com. Uh, I've got a whole lot of like podcasts and webinar recordings at daringventuresathome.com, which is awesome. still under construction, but we're, we're, we're getting there with that. Yeah. Okay. We're going to drop there. the links in and everything as well so everybody can find you. So, Great. So. All right. Thank Jay. you, Sarah. Thank you, hon. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I am grateful to have you here, and I would love to invite you over to sarahsheltoncrans.com to grab my free seven steps to a joy-filled life. I share these seven steps from my own heart, soul, and experience. These steps transformed my own life from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be a ripple effect of change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page, and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you. I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends. Let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great remainder of your day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.